Welcome to Rail Group On Air, a joint podcast of Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Ventuono. Our podcast sponsor is the Greenbrier Companies. Three of America's leading industrial and transportation companies, United States Steel Corporation, Norfolk Southern Railway, and the Greenbrier Companies, have created a unique partnership to produce a new, more sustainable steel gondola rail car. Using an innovative formula for high-strength, lighter-weight steel developed by U.S. Steel, each gondola's unloaded weight is reduced by up to 15,000 pounds. These innovative gondolas will provide an extended life cycle, increased sustainability, and greater freight capacity. See the rail car revolution at go.gbrx.com gondola. That's go.gbrx.com. C-O-M forward slash gondola. I have two very special guests today. Cindy Sanborn, who is the executive vice president and chief operating officer of Norfolk Southern and Norfolk Southern's vice president, network planning and operations, Paul Duncan. And uh, we are here to take a, a deeper dive into the new, a relatively new operating plan that Norfolk Southern uh, introduced late last month, TOP SPG, which stands for Thoroughbred Operating Plan Service Productivity Growth. And it is uh, an evolution from uh, the previous plans as we're, as we're about to find out. So, so Cindy and Paul, thanks so much uh, for joining me. It's a real privilege to have you uh, have you join uh, Rail Group on Air. My first question would be, you know, this, this operating plan has been described as an evolution. What is different about the top SPG uh, compared to the previous plan, which I believe is top 21? Yeah, Bill, thank you for, for having us. Um, we're excited to join the podcast today. Um, let me start with uh, TOP. The word TOP basically refers to the thoroughbred operating plan. So when you hear us talk about TOP 21 or TOP SPG, that's the what the TOP is all about. And TOP 21 um, was the, what I would call the previous iteration of operating plan that was put in place in 2018-2019 to better serve the changing needs of our customers. Uh, and so it was it was highly pro- prioritized on the manifest or merchandise side of the business and um, led to quite a bit of efficiency as well as uh, service reliability. And in fact, many of our service measures were really frankly at, at all time highs as, as part of that implementation. It included uh, PSR principles, you know, people talk about PSR, um, as 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 a as a thing, it's actually to me, it's a set of principles that that really are fundamental and a back to basics approach to operating the railroad. So that was the initial stage of any of the top plans. It was very successful, very well uh, implemented, successful, and drove some very very good performance. Um, what Top 21 did not do was move into other parts of the service products that we provide, such as intermodal such as bulk operations. And um, essentially, a, a pandemic kind of came along fairly fairly soon after implementation. And we really didn't have time to get into those parts of our network because so much was changing, being reduced in demand as a result of the pandemic. So 
I think a top SPG is kind of a pause in between uh, a top 21, a pandemic, and now we're moving into the next phase. And so it's more of a continuation. That's why we call it an evolution, not a revolution. And its priorities are are still in the manifest space in some respects, but in general, it's it's three main main things we want to do. We want to continue to drive train size. Uh, that's that's it's an opportunity for us to be more efficient and, and allow for capacity. Uh, unlocking capacity on the network, which serves our customers. Uh, balance, we want to have a balanced network. And the, and the third piece is executability. And that is the part that is probably more focused on the manifest as we move forward. Um, but the other two pieces are a big part of the intermodal and bulk side. So, so that's kind of the, the, the process that, that we've gone through, what's brought us to top SPG. And I think the, the component of SPG that is really uh, very foundational to the concept is the growth piece. We want to set up um, our network for growth and uh, doing and providing a really good service product allows us to do that. That's an area of the industry that doesn't seem to be on track. Uh, a lot of critics say, well, the industry isn't growing. You know, we're not growing. Granted, the past two or three years with the pandemic have been tough to do that for, for reasons beyond our control. Uh, but from what you say here, this is really focused on uh, on growth. Uh, grow the traffic base, uh, I, I guess, uh, in, in, in simple terms. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. And, I, you know, if you look back, Bill, I mean, there's so many inputs in and components of growing in different service products, right? So we know we've lost a tremendous amount of volume in coal. So when you, you know, kind of strip that out and um, look at maybe intermodal as the opposite, where intermodal has grown uh, across the network. So so we're really trying to position ourselves to grow. We know there are some some parts of our, our, our business mix that won't grow. Coal is probably likely one of those. But the consumables are uh, consumer products and the inputs to create consumer products we feel like will grow. There's always going to be um, some level of demand for our bulk operations just because, you know, seasonality will play into that. Sometimes, uh, you know, the uh, strength of the U.S. dollar plays in that as to whether we're able to export or need to import and use our services for bulk materials. But we 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 do really strongly feel like we're going to position ourselves to grow, and we will do that as part of this process and just our general thinking and how we want to manage our business. As we've thought about the evolution that, that SPG represents, to your point about growth, first off, we've got to provide consistent service to our customers. And that's, as Cindy alluded to, why we have so heavily focused on the executability of the plan as a part of, of what we're providing. But the additive to service is that we provide services that that are positioning ourselves and our customers with our customers for that growth to uh, to, to take place. And I'll, I'll speak to that here in a moment. The second piece is to facilitate that growth not only relies on consistent service and the services we provide, but doing it very productively. We've got customer owned rail cars. We've got customer owned containers and trailers. We need to figure out a way to offer not only consistent service, but services that spin those assets faster, which will facilitate growth. That equation itself with providing consistent service, services that facilitate growth while creating a more productive environment to facilitate growth, all add up to our ability to to collectively grow. 
And Bill, I'll, I'll just add one piece of that is we are a great solution for reducing our customers' carbon footprint. We have a very, very positive impact um, uh, on climate with our ESG initiatives and, 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 and the efficiency that we that we represent relative to the highways in terms of moving freight by rail. Um, so we are we feel like we are positioned well. Um, both from that perspective and from the perspective mm -hmm. of having a, a very solid, consistent service product. Yep. Those are the qualities of rail, I think, that uh, uh, all of us in the industry recognize, you know, the, the sustainability aspect, price, every, everything, really. Intermodal, I, I would like you to get into some of the uh, specifics uh, of that, of how you're you're accomplishing this. The, you know, as as you well know, the intermodal business is very complicated. There's a lot of pieces to it. There's the rail piece. There's the there's the truck piece or the port piece or both. Containers, chassis, and then all the technology involved. So a lot of uh, a lot of it, uh, uh, information technology. I think that's getting more sophisticated. So. So if you could if you could speak to some of the specifics that you're implementing to make intermodal more attractive or user friendly and grow and grow that business. I can think of a great example that that syncs with not only providing a service product that our that our customers uh, want and expect, but also facilitates um, a, a product that's not only productive but also drives growth in the environment. And that's what we have done. And are introducing in the market in our in our densest lanes from Chicago towards eastern Pennsylvania and the northeast, as well as uh, Chicago down towards the southeast. One big add as part of Top SPG is we are moving forward with four times a day intermodal service between Chicago and eastern Pennsylvania, three times a day service from Chicago to Croxton, New Jersey and twice a day service from Chicago towards Atlanta and the uh, the Southeast. And this is primarily, once again, to not only offer services that, that our customers want, but also to, to drive productivity. There is a facility benefit. We know that um, containers uh, spend an inordinate amount of time in our facilities. Our ability to provide an outlet for those containers to move as quickly as possible from the time they ingate to the time the train departs facilitates not only a greater use of that asset, but a greater use of those intermodal facilities. It reduces our overall initial dwell of those boxes um, on the facilities. It creates a train size increase. We're able to densify volume uh, between some very density rich OD pairs, which uh, increases not only train size with those frequencies, but it once again also um, moves that volume uh, much quicker than than we have in the past. The benefit, once again, to what the customer experiences is now a container that may have sat for 12, maybe even 24 hours post ingate waiting for a train now has arrived within six hours and is now moving more effectively through that customer's network. And now that customer has the opportunity to leverage that container asset because of those quicker turn times to capture and facilitate growth. So there's a service benefit to the customer. There's a productivity benefit for both Norfolk Southern and our, and our customers. And that combination facilitates greater growth, particularly in some of our highest density lanes, Chicago to the Northeast, Chicago to the Southeast. 
so what we're talking about here, I think a big part of the equation seems to be positioning the the assets, the rail assets, uh, which includes equipment and people uh, when they're needed and and where they're needed. And maybe maybe a good way to to illustrate that would be to give me an example of, uh, let's say, a, a one customer or one one movement that where some improvements were made where where the turnaround times or transit times are 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 improving you know give give a can, can you give a specific example here i think it'll be very useful absolutely bill well to, to cindy's point top sbg was an all-encompassing look at the business segments of our merchandise our intermodal volume our automotive volume our, our bulk network and by taking that holistic approach we looked for um, more opportunities to blend traffic across those business segments. One of the reasons why we're able to offer Chicago to Atlanta 2x a day service in the intermodal environment is some of that volume is going to be blended with um, some merchandise volume moving in those lanes. That merchandise volume is also going to benefit by not only that frequency increase, but those are cars that are going to move from the southeast and avoid getting classified at Chattanooga, getting classified at Elkhart. So customers benefit on the merchandise side, customers benefit on the intermodal side, because now there's a not only higher frequency offering of service, but by consolidating those volumes across those business segments into like trains, we're able to offer something to, uh, to customers that decreases the cycle time of their cars, increases the velocity of those assets. So what we're talking about here is a, a mixed consist where you've got trailers and or containers, mostly containers, I would imagine, in the same running or operating in the same train with merchandise. So whether it be you know box cars or hoppers or or, or whatever equipment is is needed is that, is that correct correct operationally uh then i take it then that those the the uh merchandise equipment then would not as you said would not be classified so many times because intermodal trains as we know don't get classified you're not breaking intermodal trains apart and and you know shuffling the cars around and making up a new train and sending it out in in most cases so this is the same it's basically reducing car handling on merchandise traffic is that a correct assumption that is a correct assumption one going in goal of ours was to minimize handlings across the network minimizing handlings across the network minimizes the exposures to our team by which we have to touch and handle those cars second it reduces the inconsistency anytime we handle those cars. Even if our yards are handling cars 90 to 95% against their planned uh, connections, that's still 5% of variability now added to that, to that trip plan. You do that more times than you need to, we've now just once again added inconsistency to um, the overall schedule and the, uh, the plan against those cars. So minimizing handlings across the network from the time we pull cars from industry, throughout the network to destination spotted at, at uh, customer and or uh, interchange delivered was a, a critical component uh, and a critical goal, I should say, of, uh, of what we did as part of Top SPG. And I think, Bill, you know, this is back to some of the PSR principles, which is we had a train and a half that we, an intermodal that needed to move between Atlanta and, and Chicago. Mm -hmm. And we filled it out with manifest to allow for it to be two full trains. And the value of that was, from an intermodal perspective, you got two sailings a day, if you will, going from Atlanta to Chicago. 
and the customers whose merchandise traffic fit that profile going that direction was able to ride on a on a, on a train that gave them intermodal type service. So Paul and his team literally have taken apart um, where the traffic wants to flow and tried to build unconstrained and then build it back in the most efficient, effective way uh, that moves the most traffic and allows, particularly on the modal side, where we can where we have enough density to do so, have multiple times a day going to a destination that is a primary destination on our network. Top SPG was synced up with our long-range capital plan. So the benefit of doing an all-encompassing plan review such as this is we bring in all groups in the organization that have a part and piece of coming up with the optimal plan. That included our capacity planning team and our long-term capital strategy was synced with that. So where we identified further opportunities from a train length standpoint, those were synced with where we either needed to add infrastructure or synced with where we already had planned infrastructure. So yes, it was a very joint effort to match our goal, as Cindy alluded to, in growing train length over time, matched to our capital infrastructure, synced with the plan. I would like to ask, though, this may or may not increase train length. A lot of people, they assume, well, well, PSR means automatically longer trains. I think that might be a misconception there. Would you, could you speak to that a bit? The concept of running high-frequency departures by building density at the earliest point in the network allows us to get greater train length while still providing like, if not improved velocity because we've added blocks to specific trains. So yes, the idea that we can grow train length over time while still increasing velocity is very much a fundamental part of the productivity spectrum of SPG. I would add, um, while we really haven't talked about the bulk network, that that is an opportunity for us to grow train size as we have invested in uh, locomotives uh, at NS since 2016, really mostly for DC to AC conversion, giving us yes. that additional tractive effort capability of an AC locomotive. You, if you look at our grain train size as an example, you know we can grow that train size and not add locomotives, right? Uh, now, in some cases, we're restricted by our customer physical layout of their plan or their facility. Uh, but those conversations, you know, customers generally want to know, uh, particularly the bulk network, you know, how can they be more effective and us together be more effective in, in moving and moving tons for them. And, you know, those conversations in terms of investment to grow the, the, the landing cap- capability of that particular facility or the turnaround time of being able to go from a fully loaded train to an empty train, you know, th- that dialogue is, is underway now as well. And it's going to lead us to increase uh, train size there. And it's all—it's not tons of cars per train. I mean, bunches and bunches of cars per train. But these trains operate, you know, they especially during the season and grain turn quite frequently and need to turn quite frequently. And what our customers really want is tons moved for them. Um, we are the ones that decide kind of what the sets look like. But we don't want our customers thinking in sets. We want them thinking in tons. And then us to design the plan in a way that both utilizes our locomotives and the investments that we've made there, as well as move the tons for a customer. And so that's been a big effort that Paul and his team and the commercial team have undertaken. 
as part of SPG. It's probably got a little longer tail on it, but it does potentially involve some investment on the part of our customers mm -hmm. uh, to be able to accommodate that. It unlocks capacity on the network, running longer trains, not having to run as many to move the same number of tons. You know, it's a real a real game changer for us, and and it's another part of SPG. Our, our bulk strategy review as part of Top SPG encompassed looking at where we had opportunities to add to existing trains, where we had opportunities to put volume together in our unit train network with other business segments, and then this longer term strategy with some level of shared investment, whether it's on the part of Norfolk Southern, whether it's on the part of our, our customers at facilities to, to land and aggregate um, bigger trains. But once again, it is all around the idea that we want to grow with our customers. We know that if we have an opportunity to further leverage what has been a substantial transition of our fleet from DC to AC, and we have the opportunity once again to add cars to these trains, we want to take advantage of that. And then we want to bring that productivity gain to the marketplace and share in that growth with, uh, with our customers. Back to the beginning of that, uh, Norfolk Southern uh, really described itself as a DC traction uh, railroad, uh, saying that there really wasn't too much of an advantage for Norfolk Southern running AC locomotives. But that that's changed a bit. And I know that that, that changed after the uh, Conrail uh, Conrail acquisition, when of course you added a whole bunch, a lot of territory. Where so, and I've seen the uh, the, the conversions you've done. I think a thousand of them or something taking older units, uh, DC units, and re and essentially repowering them um, to yeah. AC traction. Yeah, we've invested about a billion dollars since 2016, uh, Bill, and um, that agreement, maybe not the initial contract, but the, but the current contract actually was going to be fulfilled in 2022, and we extended that in a partnership with WAPTEC. Uh, to essentially get to 80% of our fleet being D uh, AC powered, uh, by 2025. So uh, it is. It is. It has been a demonstration of. of it, they're much. They're very reliable units, and they have. They they pro, they provide a lot more tractive effort to allow us to build longer trains with the same number of units. There's there's real advantages. Plus, as we do this conversion, we're obviously getting the latest and greatest in terms of the actual prime mover or engine that, that mm -hmm. allows for a, a additional fuel efficiency. So mm -hmm. it's been a, a great partnership with, with GE and now WebTech to, uh, to invest in a locomotive fleet. I have a, just a, a question about uh, getting back to mixed train, combining intermodal cars with merchandise cars. What does that mean in terms of train handling? configuring uh, the train to uh, to minimize, let's say, in-train forces or, you know, is there any special uh, additional training that, that the locomotive engineers need to need to do? Uh, is the train handling a little different uh, depending upon the territory? Well, to answer the, the last part of that statement, Bill, yes, there's certainly a, you know, how the brakes set up and how the train handles. But I want to be very clear that Throughout Top SPG and any time we set up the plan for our network, we run through a diagnostic to ensure that the train is built by plan to run safely across the network. And as such, throughout Top SPG and the changes we made, our train dynamics and, and uh, road foreman were a part of all of the plan changes and in fact have been you know, reviewing further opportunities to leverage distributed power as a part of SPG. So mm. this was a multifaceted approach of, of looking across 
certainly business segments, but I will tell you that as part of the cross collaboration that took place as we built the plan, train dynamics and train makeup uh, was a top consideration um, built into every single uh, iteration of the plan that was made. I know that uh, the, and this goes back quite a few years now, that the the leader, you know, the New York Airbrake uh, leader system was uh, deployed across the network. And I, I remember getting a head-end ride uh, out of Roanoke down the, uh, what they call the pumpkin vine the, with a unit coal train and seeing how the leader system works very dynamically with the engineer to improve that that train handling. So I imagine that technology or technologies like it has, has become uh, essential to what you're doing here. No question, uh, Bill. It's a, it's a really great point, and, and that technology has evolved truly into being almost, um, we'll use the, this analogy frequently, a cruise control for trains. You know, I was on a train um, probably two months ago from Cincinnati to Danville and, um, and you know, discussed with the engineer, you know, utilization of Trip Optimizer in this particular case. It was the GE, the mm-hmm. GE slash WebTech product as we had a GE locomotive in the lead. And it is, uh, you know, it, it runs the train extremely well. Uh, we have a lot of prideful engineers who would really rather run the train themselves and really enjoy running trains and and, and thankfully that they do. Uh, but we were in TO pretty much the whole time. And I will tell you, there was, we had about a 7,500 foot train, three locomotives all in the head end, and it was extremely smooth. And the CNOTP is an up and down curvy railroad. Uh, between uh, Cincinnati and, and Danville, and it operated very, very well. Train handling in terms of slack action was non-existent, and uh, we actually made up time between uh, Cincinnati and Danville. So it was uh, it, that that technology has come extremely far, and it is a real enhancer for fuel fuel efficiency, uh, as well as train handling and consistency of uh, of our operation. Furthering that point, Bill, uh, I, I also uh, got on a train and ran from uh, Morrisville to, uh, to to Conway. And um, to, to Cindy's point, um, the technology is sound. And, and once again, our customers are not only looking to, to grow, but they're looking to grow green. And the fuel economy and benefits that we get from, from Trip Optimizer are, are just a part of that value proposition we offer to our, our customers. As we took a deep dive in top SPG, uh, we looked at the horsepower per ton thresholds we had in place across each and every one of these subdivisions because we wanted to create a plan that optimized performance while at the same time remaining productive uh, and looking for the next gear in fuel economy. So there are many schedules across the network that, uh, that were calibrated based on those two premises. One, to certainly get the service that that we want across the network, while at the same time uh, being mindful and, and getting the productivity that uh, that we want to see, as well as uh, what our customers want to see. So fuel economy was a significant part of Top SPG, and we took a full-fledged uh, look at it across the network uh, during uh, our plan build. I wanted to talk a bit about uh, information technology, uh, which, as as we know, has uh, grown in leaps and bounds, and uh, it's especially important, uh, for, well, for any for any rail operation, but I think especially for intermodal when you're dealing, as as we discussed earlier, with so many pieces. What are some of the the information technologies that uh, you're utilizing here to make this plan work? Well, I would say that. Um 
we're, we're leveraging our existing technologies. Um, we have several in-house built uh, tool suites that are purpose uh, built for modeling capacity uh, and train performance across the network. Um, we take an all-encompassing look anytime uh, there are new business opportunities uh, in front of us at um, what is the performance of the railroad in that particular line segment and what is the expectation we can set with the customer to ensure that uh, we're putting a, uh, a consistent uh, product uh, out on the railroad. So we have several in-house tool suites that we used to not only um, model the plan, but then iterate the plan. And then of course, on top of that, certainly what we have uh, from a daily tactical standpoint to manage and execute the plan um, at both our yards um, here in Atlanta and the NOC, uh, et cetera. And Bill, you know, it, 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 there's a there's just a host of technology that we could talk about. It's probably a whole a whole other podcast. Yes, it um, would be. <laughs> and, and, and particularly on the commercial side, uh, but I can tell you on the operating side, I think of I think of technology in three buckets. It's mobility and being able to provide someone with the ability to interface with our systems at the at the work location or trackside location. It's predictive analytics. How can we predict or anticipate issues and respond to them before they happen? And it's uh, automation. Any number of those buckets have you know a number of plans up underneath them that um, that that we're working on. And kind of our all of our employees, as many railroads are the same, have uh, have a device that they use that's uh, you know an iPhone or an iPad type device that pushes information to them to help them do their job every day so that they can be more productive and not have to call for help um, when there's an issue, you know, a paperwork issue, I can I can manage it directly on my device and allow them to not to be so dependent on others to be able to do the job that they're there to do. Bill, I would add beyond just what was used to build the plan itself, we remain excited and heavily advocating for rail pulse. You've seen that and, and you've seen the buy-in across the industry as to what rail pulse and telematics on, on rail cars are going to do. We're having conversations now as to um, once we are getting data on all of the benefits and the items that we will get from uh, rail cars, as to how we further leverage that, not only from a design standpoint, but from an execution standpoint across the railroad. Is it accurate to say that this is becoming uh, more and more critical and, and, and rapidly becoming critical? Information, the capability of housing that information, bringing that information into our systems or even managing it at the, at the edge, if, if you will, um, is going to allow us to be more effective and have more, our customers have more visibility as well. So I think, uh, I, I think RailPulse and, and telematics whether it's from a customer perspective or from an operating perspective, there's there's certainly value there. And I think we're just we're obviously just scratching the surface. One of the impetus for why we moved forward with SPG was because customer flows, supply chains have fundamentally changed as a part of the impacts from the pandemic. We've seen an acceleration in e-commerce. And as such, we've certainly seen an acceleration in, in information technology and what customers want to see not only the expectations around service, but the information and the understanding and visibility into their supply chains to a, a greater degree and calibration than uh, than previously what um, what we as an industry have uh, potentially been doing or, or have been doing. So I think that uh, 
you know, to Cindy's point, we're just scratching the surface on telematics, but we're certainly excited about all of the things we expect to uh, to, to come from it. But once again, it's where uh, we see customers wanting to go and uh, and understanding, and certainly we see the excitement uh, from our standpoint as to um, the opportunities that it presents to us. Bill, specifically, we, we identified as part of Top SBG an opportunity um, at our Intermodal facility just east of Cleveland, where uh, we had mainline work events taking place to pick up and set out uh, traffic, which were having a commiserate delay impact to other trains. We identified as a part of the plan change to take those cars straight from that facility to another location uh, and affect that work event off main line, which saw a commiserate impact to all trains through the uh, the Cleveland area. So that's just one example of some of the things that uh, that we gleaned uh, across the network as uh, as we moved uh, on top SPG. Well, Cindy Sanborn and Paul Duncan, thanks so much uh, f- for joining us. I think this has been a, a great uh, conversation and uh, you've shared a lot of detail on uh, top SPG. I found it fascinating and I think our uh, I think our listeners will as well. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Have a safe day. And thanks once again to our sponsor, the Greenbrier Companies. Three of America's leading industrial and transportation companies, United States Steel Corporation, Norfolk Southern Railway, and the Greenbrier Companies have created that unique partnership to produce a new, more sustainable steel gondola rail car using an innovative formula for high strength, lighter weight steel developed by U.S. Steel. Each gondola's unloaded weight is reduced by up to 15,000 pounds, and these innovative gondolas will provide an, an extended life cycle, increased sustainability, and greater freight capacity. You can see the rail car revolution at go.gbrx.com gondola. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuano. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>